You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Climate Hour. Life. The power of water, global warming. What does that mean? Dry air. What does green mean in our new concerns of being green? It means moisture for life. When you look at green, that means there's moisture in the air. If you see something very dry, very desertless, or something that is even not living in that area, that means it's dry, lack of moisture. The show is about your health and the climate change that has been coming on since Earth began. And we haven't understood that global warming has been happening since the day the Earth began to have life. Warming every day, changing. We haven't learned to live with it. We've invented a lot of things in our life, but we haven't thought about the water. And without water, there is no Earth. And if you were watching our uh, space shuttle activity, uh, considering the Mars and other planets to explore, have you noticed that they're thinking that there could have been life there one time? Water has diminished their concern about what can they, what did they have, do with the water? Did it all drain to where? And uh, like ours is draining all to the ocean. We're not learning to protect our water. Last week we had some very exciting people with uh, UNICEF and the United Nations, the director of Water Aid, and we were talking worldwide about water statistics. 1.1 billion people in the world do not have access to safe water. 2.6 billion people in the world do not have access to safe sanitation. That means washing your hands and maybe having a toilet. That's how blunt we got. 1.8 million children are dying. What is happening to our concerns of water and life? Um, we've got to get together on this. Let's make green your health. We know that there's certain things in the world that we've got to learn to do. Turn off our lights, save our uh, fuel, learn certain things that we need to each of us get part of. But the word green to me means moisture for life, your health, your life. And let's uh, get a, uh, a plan together as a partnership on this earth, this planet. And let's plan on together looking at water to survive civilization and a better health. We're going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to have Dr. Philip Payton, ophthalmologist, whose background is just extraordinary. Um, he's uh, graduated from the University of Kansas, Cornell University, the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Oregon Health and Science University. He's been in research. He taught chemistry at Cornell University as a professor. His background is committed with his mission to concern himself about your eyesight and the health of your eyes and living here on the earth together with, with having a vision. He has been doing some extraordinary things in his career and his life. And he's also, I would like to say, a director of research at Biologic Aqua Research Center is water and hydrotherapy, the center that I also am part of. We're going to listen with our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist uh, for dry eyes, and we'll be right back with Dr. Philip Payton. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Are you listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water, the climate, your health, and concerns of everyone? And on our show each week... We started in March of 2007, and we're live Monday, uh, every Monday, 10 to 11, West Coast time. And you can come into our archives uh, with World Talk Radio, with Studio A, or the Sharon Klein Hour, and look up our shows. We've had a different show every week and a lot to learn, and we've had a lot of wonderful people on. They take time in their busy lives away from their patients just to give us education about our better health. And today we have Dr. Philip Payton with us. Are you with us, Dr. Payton? I'm here. And are you still in Chicago? I'm in Chicago. Okay. And you tell us a little bit about, before we start uh, in discussing health education, uh, about uh, your background and how you got started in uh, ophthalmology. Well, as... It really started in junior high school when I was mopping floors in a camera store, and that was eighth grade. And by high school and throughout college, I was a professional photographer part-time in order to support myself in college. And so I was very interested in imaging and optics and and everything that had to do with with cameras and photography. And... um, I went from undergraduate school, uh, where I majored in mathematics and chemistry, to graduate school at Cornell, and wound up on the faculty for many years, and um, had a, a sort of, of an epiphany at age 30, where I realized I did not want to teach school the rest of my life. I was also um, rather seriously racing motorcycles, and decided not to do that the rest of my life, and decided to go to medical school. Well, after four years of medical school in New York City at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, um, a graduate can actually go into any field uh, uh, that he uh, he or she cares to go into. But with my background in photography and with my interest in microsurgery and imaging and optics, um, it it wasn't even a decision process for me. I just went uh, straight uh, for a residency in ophthalmology. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what a timing, um, Dr. Payton, because you know what is happening all over the world with the eyesight and people are taking it for granted that eyesight uh, happened with aging uh, when the health began to deplete and all of a sudden now children are being born more than ever in history with problems with their eyesight. Uh, let's talk today about uh, with your background and you have that extraordinary ability because uh, you do have such a versatility in your life, in your career, to learn, let's educate our listeners more about how vital the eyesight is, the health of the eye, to all of your health. Can you give us a little insight about that eye, that vision, that people, when they open the eyelid, here's this eye organ. 
looking at the world with no skin over it. What, what, what do we need to learn to know more about uh, the eye? Well, for starters, it's pretty easy to uh, understand how important it is. Um, when uh, patients are fighting me about uh, uh, certain therapies that are bothersome to them in order to preserve eyesight, um, I suggest only partly ingest that they, we just patch their eyes for two days and see uh, what they think. I mean, there's, there's no sight that's more precious. There's no sight that's used more continuously, and there, there's no there's no sense that it is more important to uh, our lives as we know it. And the eye's been around for a lot of years. As far as we know, it hasn't really changed since prehistory, but I think we have managed to change um, the challenge that the eye meets. And I, I was the three changes that I would say compared to prehistoric man is we, uh, number one, we're living longer. And uh, eyes, eyes do well up to a certain age, but when the average uh, life expectancy in the United States was 49 years, we did not have most of the eye diseases that we treat now, uh, or we had them in very few people who lived into ripe old age. And now it's normal to live into your 80s and 90s. And so um, eye care is coming of age in a time when we're just, there's a lot more eyes that need care. The, uh, another thing we've done that, that really relates to the, the theme of this show is that we now have uh, city air and indoor air. And by closing the doors and air conditioning and heating, we change the humidity, we change the amount of particulates that the eye has to deal with, and and uh, uh, indoor air is not the same as being on a beach in the tropics with them. Well, this is something, uh, and I will interrupt once in a while because I'm, I'm going to take the place of a listener that they would have some questions. Um, that's you were right on, is when we started deciding with man, this, all of the human thinking to save energy at one time long ago now, we started forest air, heating and cooling, insulated windows and walls. And there's chemistry in the carpeting and in the furniture and your clothing and your, uh, your fabric, uh, all of your bedding and detergents and your lighting and electrolytic everything coming through the air, as they forgot that indoors is probably going to be the worst dehydration of skin and eyes that they never thought about because when you design something for energy safety or savings you forget about life and civilization to live because we have to have moisture in the air the kind of moisture we don't see um, when you found that uh, way back in time did you ever learn one of the first medical practices Dr. Payton was the eyes when people way back in time were complaining more about they couldn't see, and the medical practice of of medicine began with the eyes because people were concerned if they can't see, what how can they ride that horse? How can they work in that garden, uh, in those fields? How could they go from one place to the other to a distance when uh, there was dust in the air from, let's say, the wagon train or whatever? Um, so the eyesight has come a long ways in a practice to understand what is happening here. It's an organ. Um, when you said that uh, they're having to learn more because people are living longer, 
they, they were only living to be 49 years old at one time in life? That was the United States, I believe, at the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. That was the uh, that was the average lifespan, and that number is, of course, a composite of a lot of children who didn't make it through childhood. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. uh, we know of elder statesmen in that era that, that did make it to seventy, eighty, ninety, but we did not have mm-hmm. the general population um, living. You know the the, the Average lifetime was 49 years then, and now it's in this, uh, probably in the 80s by now. Well, let's hope we can start getting it over 100 and enjoying life. Um, uh, That's the power of learning more about what you've been trying to learn. When you were in Chicago, you you were there for the ophthalmology conference? I'm there now. You're there now. And you did a special, uh, you were a speaker for what particular subject? Oh, there's a, a new glaucoma laser that has replace the 30-year-old glaucoma laser, and I have six years of data on it. With uh, uh, it's, it's very much safer and better than the previous laser. And uh, I'm talking at the meeting in another hour mm-hmm. on, um, on uh, 400 patients that have had the modern glaucoma laser and how we've changed the parameters and, and made that uh, a more effective technology. Now, what's the difference? Oh, one is a burn, and the other um, is, uh, it's fairly complex, but the, the current laser, the modern laser, um, heats pigment granules inside of cells, and so individual aging cells on the drainage channels of the eye are killed. Mm-hmm. And when, when white blood cells come in to clean up the damage, the, the microscopic within a single cell damage, that's done by the laser, they also clean the drainage channels and the pressure. I mean, we have patients that are... In other words, removing a lot of toxin. It was... A pressure from a, a 35 to 11 with a single laser treatment, and the pressure stayed down. So mm-hmm. it is really saving people from a lot of toxic glaucoma medicine, eye drop therapy for glaucoma. Right. Now, uh, we both know about Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Um, have you been finding with a lot of your patients after the operation is over that they're having more dry eye and they're needing a supplement to replace the lost moisture? Yeah, with or without uh, a laser or a surgical intervention, I would have to say that the dry eye and eye surface complaints are the most common uh, uh, subjective complaints in my office. And I, you know, Nature's Tears is now a mainstay. I, um, I, I'm in the fortunate position of having uh, um, access to samples, and I sample patients and show them how to use it. And uh, um, the reason I believe in the product uh, as as much as I do, and I really do, is what patients come back and tell me. Yeah. And when they come back for another sample and mail it to their sister in California. I mean, that's fairly exciting because... Now, isn't dry eye the worst, one of the worst complaints and almost annoying complaints through the years? So it's almost yeah. all of the doctors. It doesn't have to be anyone that's an ophthalmologist, optometrist, refractive eye surgeon, doctors who are prescribing medications, uh, individuals who are going through a lot of therapy. Dry eye has been a, a, a complaint for a long time. It's the most common complaint in in our practices. And how? Let's and, go in and educate our listeners more about 
something that uh, a lot of people have never heard of the clear film, the clear film that you don't see over the eye. Could you explain the tear film's function and how important it is for the eye? Okay. The, well, unlike your camera where the lens is made out of glass um, and has chemical coatings on it, the, the cornea of the eye looks like an optical lens. It's, if you will, it's the very front surface, the clear window, uh, and uh, I call it the crystal on the watch. And that cornea, unlike um, the crystal on a watch or a lens in a camera, is living tissue, and it has cells and nerves and water and um, collagen structure. All and products of nature, nothing man-made. Uh, exactly. And the the front of the eye is not, I mean, the part you can reach out and touch. I mean, you shouldn't, but you could. Isn't the cornea, the, 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 the very front of the eye, is a tear film that is layered over the cornea. And the cornea has to be as bright and shiny as a brand-new camera lens. And so that layer of water... In other words, she's saying it to the audience, a layman... It has to be bright and shiny because that's its function, healthy functions to have the electrolytic energy to be healthy. Yeah, well, it also has to optically function like a camera lens. So it has to be bright, shiny, smooth, and a uniform curve. And to do that, the tear film cannot break up into little droplets because all of a sudden the cornea looks like frosted glass and the vision diminishes dramatically when the tear film breaks up. And so the tear film consists of a protein layer of mucin that glues or adheres a thin layer of water to the underlying clear cornea. And over that is an aqueous layer, which is almost 100% water, but it contains growth factors and antibodies and a bunch of other um, dissolved proteins that keep the eye healthy and keep it free from infection. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also the immunity protection because when the eyelid is open, that organ of the eye is exposed to your life every day. It's exposed to whatever's out there. And exactly. in the modern world, there's more stuff out there that is not good than there used to be. Mm-hmm. And then this, this water solution, which is on top of the mucin layer or the the layer that glues the water, a very thin layer of water smoothly to the cornea, that water solution would evaporate and become too concentrated. And so the top layer of the tear film um, is a layer of lipid or biological um, oil-like material that is, um, uh, it's, it's a single molecular layer mm-hmm. that forms a, I want to ask you something. When it becomes dry like that, that lipid oil layer would start overreacting kind of like a, a, on the skin. When you have a depletion of moisture, the oil content of the skin overacts to try to work to bring the moisture back to balance. So actually then you'd have more oil content on the eye than the natural moisture balance that you should have. In other words, it's not balanced right when you go dry. Yeah. Exactly, and okay. what, what you see in a healthy tear film, and a healthy tear film is important for comfort and vision mm-hmm. and health of the eye. In a healthy tear film, you don't see the lipid layer. It's, it's like the, the chemical coatings on your camera lens mm-hmm. that prevent reflection. You, you cannot see it no matter how closely you look because it's too thin 
and it's too smooth, and it's and it's structureless. And I ask in, you, um, in dry eye, the oil clumps, and we get yeah. we call it an oily tear film, and it's no longer a single layer. It's tiny droplets, and they do not prevent infection, and they are not. Uh, excuse me, they do not prevent the water layer from evaporating, mm -hmm. and they uh, also are optically not perfect. You don't want That's to pop a little dry. oily tear film. We're going to take a break with our sponsor, and uh, when we come back, I'm going to tell you about some of the statistics if, that we have heard that are going on around the world on dry eye. And here in the United States, some of the top, uh, the driest locations, and I wondered if you even heard about it. But we're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Life, the Power of Water, Global Warming, Climate Change Means Dry Air. And the color green, I believe, means moisture for life. Uh, in other words, if it's green, there means there's moisture. And we have Dr. Philip Payton with us today. He's at an ophthalmology conference in Chicago and took time to be with us, which is wonderful. We're learning a lot. And Dr. Payton, I was just a guest on WFAA ABC channel in Dallas, Texas, and uh, last Wednesday morning, and they were so excited to have us on there uh, to talk about the dry air and what is happening with dry eye and and uh, nature's tears eye mist as a supplement. And Dallas, Texas is one of the five rated driest areas in the country to live. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. We've, I, was uh, there on an, I was there on an August day once that I can't call very dry. Yeah. The, uh, Las Vegas. by the humidity. Las Vegas, is the, this is the National Statistics uh, Health Center for dry eye. It's uh, number one is Las Vegas. Number two is Lubbock, Texas. Number three is El Paso, Texas. Number four is Midland, Texas. And then Dallas, Fort Worth is number five. Driest place for dry eyes in the United States. Uh, you know, we've got the rest of this world. We've got, um, you've probably heard about what's happening in Argentina, that they can only be outside for three hours a day. I was with a gal from NBC recently, and she's from Argentina, and she said it is so bad that the government really tells you don't be outside longer than three hours a day because you'll blister. And we know what's happening in Australia, and, and we know what's happening over in Mexico, the pollutions, and in China, the pollutions, and dry eye, the concerns of it. Um, and the tear film has been w under educated. Uh, the audience, your consumer, your patient, uh, 
uh, doesn't understand any education about how to maintain, give your eye anything other than living. Um, the air must have moisture in the air, and if it doesn't have that moisture in the air we can't see, the eye begins to deplete depending upon the individual dehydration. And as, you, as I can say to the audience, and you can correct me anytime, um, the, there's no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike, and now they found no two complexion on the skin alike. So we're dehydrating all of us differently. And moisture in the air and how much water we drink, and that water is vital to us. Um, what, what do you recommend? Uh, you've discussed in the past how serious this is, that dry eye, as we have found, is one of the most annoying problems that doctors have had because people didn't have the supplement to replace the lost moisture naturally with a personable, portable finger at your fingers like Nature's Tears Eye Mist is now. But what is some of the education with eating habits and some of the habits? What about the computer, Dr. Payton? You know, uh, what about the truck driver who has to travel 14 hours a day and longer and they've got the fumes and the indoor conditions of a truck even? What are some of the recommendations of foods and some of the things they learn that, to get into some new habits, to think about the eyesight? Well, I, uh, when we started, I was listening. What's worse now uh, than what the uh, Neanderthal man faced? And one is we're older. Two, there's indoor air. And three, there's city air, where we we wind up with we build our cities in in low places, uh, and if there's any mountains around, we wind up with inversion layers, and so we wind up uh, with with air that's uh, polluted with volatile organic chemicals, and it also has particulates, and then we do things that um, that keep the eyes open. Uh, beyond uh, the, the decreased blinking and keep the eyes open and exposed uh, to these conditions longer. And reading a book or using a computer or driving an automobile and concentrating on it, if you study a person who is concentrating on a visual task like that, their blink frequency goes down. And so we're doing all these things that make us stop blinking and exposing the air to... Uh, uh, exposing the eye to air that is not as good as it used to be. Dry and with, with a blink, there's a wash of, of new tears, mm -hmm. and it pumps out the old tears, mm -hmm. and it's a cleansing process. And so with these tasks that decrease uh, blinking, it increases evaporation, mm -hmm. and it brings out these dry eye complaints that we have. Now, and have you ever thought in your background and any of the doctors, when they get together where you're at even, when, when you have a child born, a baby born, and they're in that delivery room also with the insulated windows and walls and forced air heating and cooling, and, and the baby's eyes open for the first time in its whole life out of the womb of the water's mother, the mother's womb, uh, has there ever been any thought to consider what do we do from that moment on for the baby to keep that moisture level for the baby's eyes because the baby begins to dehydrate. That's the process of life. Has there ever been any thought of what to do to get that, that family in habits to get that baby eye education immediately, supplement immediately? Has there ever been any thought to start that young? Because you've heard the statistics. Every five seconds, someone's going blind on our earth. Now, it's all kinds of reasons, but the earth is getting drier. Uh, indoor conditions are very bad, too. Uh, sanitation is horrible. Uh, we recently, last week, we had the head, 
of Water Aid, which is with the United Nations and UNICEF, on water issues of the world that are concerning. Sanitation is number one, and you can imagine, Dr. Payton, touching your hands and you haven't washed them, touching your, with your hands on your eyes. Uh, what, has there ever been any concern about babies and what to do to educate them? Well, the newborn, the toddler. The, 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 you know, the tissue at that age um, replaces itself very fast. It repairs itself very fast. And, and we see, um, with the exception of bacterial infections, which are, are, are more common in babies and, and need to be detected in, our, in this day and age, very easy to now see. For our the dry, the dry eye problems we see yeah. are in adults, especially elderly adults. The frequency of problems goes up. I mean, the babies are very young and very, yeah, they're in the real world with the rest of us. I admit that, but they're very young and very resilient. And we and really, I don't I don't see problems at that end of the age spectrum. It's it's the other end of the age spectrum where the hormonal changes start turning down tear production, and the immune system weakens, and that's where we get dry eye that varies all the way from a minor inconvenience to uh, it can challenge corneal clarity and, and, and be a real problem. Now, there was a statistic out where every 20,000 babies, and we'll post it on the web, uh, we may have it there already, uh, there could be, there's been one out of 20 that had a tumor in the eye, and it will, the baby will pass away within two years. Have you heard anything more about that? Well, they're getting very, the, the most common tumor of, of infancy is the retinoblastoma, okay. which has been studied genetically, and we've gone, it's gone from a deadly cancer to there are many children um, alive and uh, cancer-free now that were born with that deadly tumor. So. Okay, that's good to hear. Now, because another one that we need to bring up before we're done today is melanoma of the eye. A lot of people, doctor, thought of melanoma of the skin but didn't realize melanoma of the eye. Uh, they, and it's sometimes because they don't realize that could be a melanoma, they don't go have it checked soon enough. Could you tell us a little bit about melanoma of the eye? Well, melanoma of the eye is um, uh, it's the most common tumor. Well, there are, there are tumors of the surface of the eye that are not serious. They're easy to see, they're easy to remove, and they're usually limited to um, very superficial layers uh, of the mucosa. And so those, those don't cause people very much grief. But there's a choroidal melanoma, which is a melanoma that is inside the eye, at the back, under the retina, between the retina and the white scleral wall of the eye, mm-hmm. and the melanoma back there. There's um, there are different genetic kinds of ocular melanoma, but um, all of the scary things you know about skin melanoma are true about um, the the variety of ocular melanoma. Now, what are some of the symptoms, or how do they recognize visually what might be something that's changing? You know, a lot of times. Will complain. I've got burning, riching red eyes. My, I've got a bloodshot eye. One's a little more bloodshot than the other. Uh, how do they recognize that they should probably go have something checked quicker than just complaining about being tired? The um, the, the symptomatic melanoma, the melanoma that the patient who lives out in the woods and never has an eye exam would know about, 
is um, that's a pretty bad situation because the symptoms that I've seen patients present with are um, uh, if the outside of the eye finally becomes inflamed, that's a very late sign. That's indicative of, a, of an invasive, uh, rather advanced tumor. The melanoma is also caused limited retinal detachments, and they can also shadow the vision. They can get big enough that there's just an area off to the side or down below mm-hmm. where the patient is, is aware that the peripheral vision has been diminished. These are not good cases, and that's, this is not one we want to diagnose a malignant melanoma. Sometimes with macular degeneration, which is becoming so common. Uh-huh. It's a very strange thing that's happening out there to me, uh, from my evaluations is uh, that the immacular degeneration, is that prob- do they sometimes take that for granted, um, that their eyesight, they're getting older? Is it happening to more older people, of course, than young? Has it been known to happen to any young people, or is it just old people, never young? Well, it's a spectrum of disease, most of which is is inherited or related to certain genes. And yes, there are macular degenerations that affect teenagers. But what we're seeing uh, an increase in, in the United States that's, that's purely uh, related to uh, the number of people that are making it into, uh, into old age mm-hmm. is age-related macular degeneration, which again is a spectrum of disease. But our understanding of this disease is that basically it's a normal aging change because there is a pigment layer underneath the retina that is required to filter the blood and to groom the photoreceptors and, and, uh, and consume the debris that photoreceptor cells produce. And this pigment layer, this layer of pigmented cells, uh, it's a, a single layer called the retinal pigment epithelium, gets old and ratty, and when the pigment epithelium is not doing well, the rods and cones, the the, the pixels in your camera, the the photoreceptor cells, Mm -hmm. uh, don't do well. Mm -hmm. And so we have dry macular degeneration being extremely common and varies from a a minor problem to vision to cannot read, cannot drive, and no one... Now, you've said many times that, and before we go here in a moment, there's a nutrition that we should think about and certain things to think about every day. Uh, You mentioned one time about greens. Uh, I know when we've had Dr. Marguerite McDonald on, she mentioned a lot of foods, too, and nutrition is so important. What would you recommend uh, that your patients and individuals think about their eating habits every day? Well, general... General good health is good for every layer of the eye. There is belief uh, that um, flax oil and omega-3 fatty acids, Mm -hmm. which are are clearly good for cardiac health, are also very good for dry eye, and they are recommended in dry eye patients Mm -hmm. that you make sure that you get uh, omega-3 fatty acids in your diet. Mm -hmm. And the recommendations for macular degeneration are actually very specific. Mm-hmm. And what's known is that uh, people who eat dark green leafy vegetables, mm-hmm. and this, you know, iceberg does not count, and um, and you're the about broccoli. Lettuce, you're, not, you're talking about so, the broccoli, the, the dark uh, broccoli, green kale, and 
broccoli does not count and green beans do not count. It has okay. to be dark green leafy vegetables, spinach, kale, kale. Chard, okay. Okay. chard, leaf lettuce. And it, should they be more raw than cooked? And that reduces, uh, cooked, steamed, raw, the study did not distinguish. Okay. And that reduced macular degeneration in people who had never smoked by 50%. My goodness. In, in smokers that had quit, 58%. And in people who could not quit smoking, uh, it reduced their very high level of macular degeneration the by 86%. dark green vegetables. You know, we've had uh, nutritionists on here about raw diet, uh, the raw food diets. And they have said, too, that it is amazing how their bo- the body will detoxify and digest and, and the circulation and, the, and all the energy. And I'm, I'm con- I bet that would be also for the eyes. It would, you'd notice that the eyes would have much more uh, alertness, not quite so tired and heavy behind the eye. And the dry eye symptoms uh, would be not as uh, obvious. Um, our time is over, and I really enjoyed I think the listeners will, too, about all that they learned. Is there anything you'd like to say to everyone about the concerns of their health and what they should do with their vision before we go? General good health and treat symptoms of dry eye with with, uh, safe lubricants. And um, uh, I can't emphasize the nutrition and general health enough. Mm-hmm. And general health is not just what we eat, it's how much we move. Keep that body when I was on the, uh, I've been doing a lot of talk shows across the country, and the news media and the different ones are so surprised that we've had uh, supplements offered to us for vitamins to supplement our daily life. We've had sunscreen, the toothpaste, the toothbrush, the sunglasses, the hair products, certain nutritions, but they were so surprised that Nature's Tears I Missed was invented to be, a uh, because of dry air, a supplement to the eyes every day to maintain with your own mobility a portable device. In other words, you can, anytime you need it, to because the air is dry, to supplement your eyes and give them finally the eyes, a supplement that you've never given them in your life. Uh, that's what they're really finding that the environment is so dry and so unhealthy as what can you do now for the eyes that nobody else has ever had a supplement. So we mentioned the food, we mentioned all these other things, and uh, now we know there's a supplement for the eyes also with just a mist, uh, pure natural water. Well, you enjoy your day, and uh, I know everybody's going to enjoy hearing about the new glaucoma operation. And I appreciate you taking your time and giving us that valuable time today, Dr. Payton. Certainly. It's been a pleasure to be Okay. Be thank you. you. And, and you have a nice day. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. Wasn't that educating? Uh, learning a little bit more about dry air, and I was mentioning to you about mm, lack of moisture in the air, global tr- climate changing. Uh, we're going to be talking next now with uh, Art Bernstein about China and the air and the pollution and what's happening with the eyes. I think we're going to continue that on with the concern of your health as you travel around the world. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the supplement for dry eye, all natural. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. 
When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. Each week this hour is dedicated to providing you an education plan and program and research for you as an audience to be proactive and learn more and take a personal responsibility and learn more about the person you are living on this planet and what some of your complaints are and discomforts. And, and we learn that dry air and, and that change of climate every day does have an influence on us. And as you've been learning, scientists have reported that that increase of that few degrees each year could put animal species at a greater risk and even distinction, which means people, civilization. And this affects our human health every day. And uh, our guests every week have been absolutely phenomenal about giving their time away from their busy days and providing that education to you, the listener, to learn more. But be proactive. Learn more about it and, and, and study what we say on here. And then you can learn more about what's happening with your health and climate. And uh, people have allergic reactions to the climate. And let's, ta- let's learn more. Uh, now, uh, we have Art Bernstein, and we're going to be discussing um, the Chinese uh, pollution. Art, today you wanted to teach us more about uh, the Beijing Olympics and, and also going there with the pollution and uh, also the problems of what is happening with statistics in China. I noticed that 750,000 people die a year because of the pollution in China. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more today? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, I got interested in this because uh, most people can only name three or four cities in China, if that. Uh, Beijing and Shanghai and Hong Kong and uh, and maybe Chongqing and uh, a couple others. Um, I got a list of the 25 largest cities in China. And... Of the 25 largest cities in China, this number 25 is about the size of Chicago. Chicago in the United States. Yeah, Chicago is the third largest city in the United States. China has four times the population, and most of it is concentrated in an area right around uh, Beijing, about twice the size of California, although the, the whole country is about the size of the U.S., a little smaller. Mm-hmm. But uh, 25 cities the size of Chicago. And then, I mean, how many cities are there the size of Minneapolis? Mm -hmm. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, Oh, Minneapolis is like uh, Mm 400,000. So, I mean, there must be, I mean, it's just, the the population is incredible. Mm -hmm. And the number of cities is incredible. The the industrialization is incredible. And uh, Now, you said here where... We're just starting now to to have... uh, air quality standards. Mm-hmm. And the 10 most polluted cities in the world are all in China, every one of them. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where the most fuel consumption is happening, too, for automobiles. People are driving more Uh, automobiles there. And it's a shame because uh, if you read about these cities, uh, every one of them is a gorgeous, beautiful, thriving city. And and the Chinese uh, pay a lot of attention to how their cities look and how their buildings look and how they're laid out and, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and their history, and the pagodas, and the, the gardens. The beauty. It's just yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I have had people say that I really want to bring up today, because we had Dr. Payton on discussing eyes and dry eyes and the problems of uh, different symptoms of disease of the eye. And you, with all the pollution in uh, that particular part of Asia and the influence coming from China, uh, around, over to Japan and South Korea and right. Hong Kong and Taiwan, the pollution of the wind and the problems, uh, the dry eye has to be uh, very serious. And we've had people say there's a lot of eye infections, which would also cause more diseases because eye infections and problems with the eyes do cause more symptoms and disease of other kinds of diseases. Uh, tell us a little bit more about, if you know about when the Olympics is coming, which cities are uh, more uh, where the Olympics are going to be, and the cities that are going to be affected, and what what which ones have a lot of the pollution? Okay, Beijing uh, is where the Olympics are going to be. Um, Beijing is right smack in the middle of this industrial heartland, mm-hmm. and they're trying desperately to clean up the air. It's a city of uh, 12 million, Beijing, mm-hmm. which means it's larger than New York. It's only the second largest city in China, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, most of it's automobiles and industrial pollution. So, mm-hmm. well, they do say the fuel consumption that's going up all over the world yeah. to raise the fuel prices is because more people uh, in a heavily populated area are now driving cars, and that takes fuel. So yeah, the consumption has increased. Um, have you heard anything that they're going to be, what they're going to try to do to decrease some of that industrialization during the Olympics? Uh, they have passed air quality standards, and they have put some restrictions on the use of automobiles, and, and mm-hmm. they're trying to clean the city up before the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you read The Color of the Air? I've re- heard that... The, what's happening with the pollution of the air of that, those cities is the air in the morning isn't quite as dark, but by the day, as the day progresses, it gets darker brown. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. If, when you look up these cities like uh, Dalian or Langzhou or Xi'an or Nanjing, uh, these are, you know, they're like the, you see pictures of them, and the pictures always have this brown haze over them, every one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that uh, if the air is ever clear, it's not clear when they're taking pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the people living there, because it, uh, homes are more apartments, yeah. they probably have also insulated walls and windows and forced air heating and cooling. And uh, because of the temperature changes throughout the year, they've also probably got energy saving. But energy saving doesn't mean that civilization is going to last forever. Uh, with the plans of energy savings. Um, and I was watching this weekend um, something with National Geographic, and they were talking about the shuttle on the moon, uh, on Mars, and the different things it's learning, and that they believe at one time there was a civ- possibly a, a civilization. There could have been water even. 
Well, our concerns of this country and all over the world is our planet can exist if we plan on the water and moisture in the air to be healthy so the civilization will not become extinct. And different parts of our globe, Ethiopia and and different and Argentina having only being able to be out for three hours a day and China being so polluted, what's going to happen to our planet and our ecosystem when we do have civilization such an impact of problems because of dehydration of the body and that's the process of our life and death is the hydration is slows down. Uh, that dehydration, in other words, we get to live longer, healthier. But dehydration, lack of water, lack of moisture, moisture in the air, moisture to drink, causes disease and also causes our death on this earth. And um, we still need the earth to keep us alive. Pardon? I said we still need the earth to keep us alive. And, and what and does that, that is the water on the earth. Yeah, and, and, and it still can do that. But we need to take some steps on our own to... I've often wondered, too, and we should research this as a uh, radio show, as, as on the uh, different ones that are listening think. If we had more reservoirs, in fact, Portland, Oregon, is having these little rain bu- barrels. Yeah. And out around their homes, they're putting little rain barrels out to collect the rains below the... The uh, different anything where there's rain drainage and and where the water is coming down and not let it move all the way to the ground and through to the uh, or through the ground over the sea over the rivers and the lakes to the ocean. The ocean's coming up. Do we want the ocean to come up or do we want the surface water to be able to feed us uh, the natural moisture that we need to live and survive and protect our waters? Certain reservoirs, we will call them, to to hold back water and maintain the water and be able to have a certain amount of water for the area that the reservoir is located. I know that Georgia, when they started having that problem, is they hadn't built a reservoir, I guess, for 40 years. And in China now, uh, they're finding they need more water. Yeah, Uh, and I know that uh, reservoirs can definitely affect the humidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever been to Lost Creek Lake on a hot summer day? Uh-huh. Um, it's low elevation lake, and the humidity is so high that it can be just miserable. Mm-hmm. But the trees but clearly, in the area, they, the clearly trees. that lake is, is, is putting water into the air. Yeah, what happens with the humidity, though, with my studies, is that when you have a lake and you have a stream and you have a canal, you have rivers and ponds, that puts moisture in the air for areas that wouldn't have it. Absolutely. And it affects the ecosystem as a whole. And the areas of the world like Ethiopia and different Africa and different ones that don't have enough water on the surface of their earth in that area don't put anything in the air because it's, it's like desert conditions. And people are having to, their children, last week we had... Water aid on here, the head of water aid, uh, which is under oh, UNICEF definitely. and the United Nations, and they were saying, how could a child even go to, to school during the day? They have to work all day long uh, to help their parents bring the water to their life that day, to where they live, wherever that distance may be, carrying very heavy water jugs and water uh, containers, very heavy to life, to where they live or they, uh, each day, every day. No yeah, matter what the weather's like, he's, like. he's saying nowhere in India can you get safe water 24 hours a day, 
And I get up in the middle of the night, and I uh, go into the bathroom, and I, I take a drink of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we take that for granted. Yeah. We take that for granted, and that's what this show is all about. What can we do, all of us, to partnership in the environment and concerns of the environment? Uh, how do we learn the supplements to that lifestyle that we have to lead now because the air is going to be dry and yeah. we're taking our vitamins, we're learning more about nutrition, we're learning when we travel to places around the world how to be careful because uh, we're so used to certain conditions that we change our bacteria conditions that we're immune to and get adjusted to. But the water, people have been known to get sick with the water and die because of water. There's Legionnaire, there's E. coli, there's problems with the water. And, yeah, uh, and you've you got to do more to make sure that uh, what the earth has gets to you. Exactly. Um, yeah. We're living with the earth. It's not going to live with, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. we have to learn to live with the earth. It's like getting up in the morning, looking at the weather, away, and living with it. doesn't anymore. Pardon? I said I used to just give it away. Yeah. All you had to do was just yeah. be there, you know, and it gave you everything you needed. Yeah, uh, yes, and, and all over the world now, uh, it's not the fuel, it's not gas, oil, it's the water. It's the water, and this show has a, an important part to play. It's like when you look out and you uh, our new exciting partnerships are forming called Green Environment, Concerns of the Environment, but our health has to be the number one issue concerns of how do we take care of ourselves, how do we learn to live here for generations, and make that vulnerable for other people to want to learn and study. Fortunately, to the Internet and shows like this, you can learn to study what is said and evaluate. Is it correct? Can I learn more? What can this information lead to to learn more about? And the Olympics are coming up, and people have to know that our, our athletes are traveling there and they're coaches and companions and and people all over the world are going to the Olympics. Learn how to go there. Learn how to be healthy there. Learn the environment before you get there, what you need to do and what you need to take with you. And take care of your eyes. And take care of the eyes because dry eye is lack of moisture, all natural moisture to the eye. And they need that supplement that's offered to them, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Just once or twice a day, just give it a mist and then breathe it, and then drink plenty of water every day that's safe water. And and like Dr. Payton was saying today, dark green leafed foods. Well, thank you for joining us today, Art. Always a pleasure. Have a nice day. You too. Bye. Well, we've learned a lot about dry eye today and the conditions of the environment. You need to know that Earth has that secret. Embrace your life, your health. That's yours. That belongs to you. That's your freedom. Every precious moment, Earth is a moment-to-moment. But Earth whispers, never say goodbye. Have a nice day.